Would you lift your voice again and magnify the Lord? God, you are so worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Amen. What a great day it is to serve the Lord. Amen. I believe that. And uh, to be able to, to be able to have fellowship with the Spirit of the Lord and also with the body of Christ is so important. There are so many things that happen through life that cause us to need to be healed. I am convinced that there is no healing that happens ultimately without the Spirit of the Lord helping us. And there is no healing sustained without the body of Christ. So if you get healed and decide to leave the body, then you're going to be in trouble because we, God designed it that we need each other. And so I thank God for the body of Christ and to be able to join you um, here on this coast from the Midwest. Praise God for that. And to your pastor, Bishop, and these for his families, thank you so much for giving me an opportunity again to um, terrorize. <laughs> and uh, the challenge is to not make any mess bigger than what they can clean up. And so I'm going to do my best to, to kind of stick to that. Someone said amen. 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 Um, Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6 is where I want to read from. Um, many years ago, I guess now about 25 or so, um, I started this practice of mental health in earnest. And about 18 years ago, I really uh, focus on the apostolic movement for lots of reasons. And, um, and then several years ago, I added other apostolics to me and to our agency in St. Louis um, to answer back to the unique needs of the apostolic church. And maybe the needs themselves aren't unique, but the people are, and the answers are and we still to this day do that, and we try to minister to people all over the United States, and in some cases in several different countries. Last year, using the principles of the Word of God, I worked with somewhere around 100 couples. And last year, one of those couples divorced, um, and it was one too many. The principles of God work, period. They work. Now it takes the cooperation of people. And, and there, there are times when people decide that, you know what, God, I don't really care what you think or say, I'm going to do my thing. And in those cases, it doesn't go well. But when we give ourselves to the word of the Lord... We give ourselves to the things of the Lord. God will help us. He will always help us. And what I pray is that in these next couple of, uh, of days, nights, that I also can be a help to you and impart something that you can grab onto. So to pull it from the scripture, to make it practical so you can touch it, embrace it. Now, the practical so you can touch it, that's my job. They embrace it. <laughs> 
That's your job. And then watch it develop good fruit in you. How cool is that? Amen. I'm excited about that. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1, verse number 2, and verse number 3. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Everyone said meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be consumed, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if any man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. He deceiveth himself. One of the things that this could mean is that we need to prioritize our interactions with one another in such a way that we lift one another up. And we continue to do that. I would posit to you tonight that one of the signs, and in my mind one of the greatest signs of a strong family, is that family can reach out to a family that's weaker than them, can help and pour the word into them, and lift that family to a place of productivity in the kingdom of God. So if you're wondering kind of where this is all headed, that's where it's going. We're looking for strong families that can ultimately help other people because together we make the church and the church has a job and that is to take the gospel of Jesus Christ into this world. God's going to get that done. I want to help. How about you? Amen. One more time, lift your hands, lift your voice and pray with me. God, we love and we honor you and we thank you for all that you are to us. God, I thank you for this great congregation. I thank you for this beautiful church. God, I thank you for the spirit, God, that's here, for those that have worked so hard to usher in the spirit with prayer and with praise, and for all the sacrifices that make, God, this night possible. I thank you now, Lord. I pray your blessings upon it. God, would you speak, Father, into, God, our spirits, God. Lord, we rely on the supernatural, Father, because in our own, we're only so much, and we're limited, God. But I want to tap into who you are, God, and speak through me as your servant to your people and somebody said amen. amen amen you can be seated it is always just a wee bit humbling to teach in the in the church where there is prolific teachers and preachers however it has been my lot that it seems like wherever i go i'm surrounded by prolific teachers and preachers and so it's like playing with people who are better than you you just get better by playing with them so thank you for letting me play in your box Amen. God is good. So I've, um, one, I've titled this and just kind of thematically want to talk about gardens and altars. Gardens and altars. Just a simple reflection. And I want to start with a principle that I think will help us um, as we go through this this weekend. Um. The voice of man is incredibly powerful. As a matter of fact, I mentioned before that the way we have been fashioned and designed, our voice carries more weight than all the voices around us. God designed the human brain in such a way that your voice would have precedence or it would be processed at a higher level than all the voices around you. So if there are a thousand people saying you cannot make it and you keep your mouth shut, then that's what echoes in your head. 
But if you open your mouth and say, no, through God's help, I can make it, your brain was designed by God to process that at a higher level than everyone around you. Conversely, if everyone around you says you can do it, and you open your mouth and say, well, actually, I can't, your brain will process that higher. So the, the bottom line to that is we've got to open our mouth at time and we've got to declare some things from the word of the Lord that are true about us. Not declare what we think about us, but to declare what he thinks about us. And so the voice of man is quite powerful. And I could spend time talking about it because it then segues into this notion of encouraging yourself in the Lord. But that's for a different day. The voice of God is different than the voice of man in multiple ways. The voice of man is powerful to mankind, but the voice of God is, is different. You almost have to go back to the book of Genesis where God breathes life into dust and dirt. And from that breath of life then comes forth a living soul. So clearly it was more than breath, right? Right. So there's an impartation that happened that we only learn the fullness of it when Adam gets up and starts to open his mouth and talk or begins to act. And then we see the byproducts. We see the result of that breath and we're amazed. We're amazed that he knows the, the, the heavens and the earth, that he knows there's a God and it's not him, that he can ambulate and balance himself. We're amazed that he can name animals. And all of that, all of that was impartation. And so the breath of God is different than the breath of man. Similarly, the word of God is different than the words of man. And so uh, if maybe one of you young men right there in the middle, you can help me, right? So if I'm speaking to you, yeah, what, do you have a name? What's that? He said his parents didn't name him. <laughs> you poor child. Chester, I'm teasing you, right? So if I speak to him, and this is such an important principle. If I speak to him, there is perhaps, perhaps, there is some authority in my voice that he may respect. And based on that, or based on obedience, he may do what I ask him to do. So I said, hey, come here. And he did that. That was really nice of him, right? But there was nothing about my voice or my words that gave him power to do it. That was just him being obedient. Now, if I were God, and I'm not, <laughs> some days I'm not even a good Christian, I think, but I'm not definitely not God. But if I were God, after I, after I just barbecued a few people that's on my list, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. That's why I'm not God. You see what I mean? <laughs> If I were God and I said, Chester, come. Now, not only would he come, but he would desire to come. Not only would he desire to come, but if his legs were broken, they would instantly be restored and he would have the ability to come. So when God speaks into your life, it's not just words of instruction. Connected to those words or embedded in those words is both the ability to do it 
and the desire to do it. So of course you're not going to put down those cigarettes until the Lord speaks to you. And when he does, you're going to want to put them down. It works the other way. Sometimes he'll speak to you and there's some things you used to want that you, you won't want those things anymore. It's different. So watch this. If I say in the natural, Chester come here and he doesn't come, well, the consequences of that may not be severe. He could say, stranger danger. <laughs> And there you go. I have no authority in his life. Because I didn't impart anything living into him with my words. There is nothing to die. Because there was no fire in my words, there is nothing to quench. A preacher calling you to repentance is one thing. You ought to come repent. But if God calls you to repent, you, you don't just, it not just ought to. You're going to want to, so the only reason you wouldn't is because you fought that, and that's deadly. So, if God speaks to him and gives him the desire and the ability and clears all the, all the debris out of the way for him to make his way to where he needs to be, and he doesn't do it, then he has to quench it, and now there's something in him that can die. And when you quench the Spirit of God, in particular for those who are filled with his Spirit, it becomes a spiritual cancer that kills you slowly. I just thought I'd start with the good news, (laughs) and then we'll get to the... Is that all right so far? There is virtue in his voice. So a dead, decaying body who no longer has his hearing gets the impact of the word of God, Lazarus come forth. And the impact causes Lazarus to come back to life, to want to come forth, and then completely restores his body so that he can come forth. Don't, don't tell me your relationship is dead because some man or some woman pronounced it dead. Until God says it's dead, it's not dead. I, I'm telling you, I, uh, a good pastor, oh, this guy, this guy should be, he should run the universe. He's just such a good guy and so, so just well put together and a great leader. He has a, has a rule about counseling and that is he will counsel people to a certain level, maybe two or three times, and then he will refer them out. Now that, that can be very healthy. After about two or three times, you're either listening or you're not. If the person helping you is your pastor, now you're in disobedience. 
So you're much safer spiritually to talk to somebody who's not your pastor. That was free. Um, you look at your pastor after six weeks and just keep ignoring him, there are consequences about that. All right, I'm going to It's true. All right, all right, it's true anyway. It's true. I have an internal amen corner. When it's true, it says amen, no matter if you do or not. I'm just... So I'm good. Matter of fact, I got a whole internal choir. Occasionally it's like praise break. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Folks in our church are going, what's wrong with him? And I'm going, what's wrong with him? What was I talking about? <laughs> he says he's <laughs> he's amping it up man <laughs> now I was talking about a pastor friend in a counseling situation but Bishop says about listening to your pastor and the consequences of not doing that okay pause for one second okay so so it's 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 a church counseling scenario that a pastor called me into remember that because I am the hardest person to take pictures of because I never stop moving. And so this is what Facebook looks like. And I'm like, why do people do that? Why do they post stuff like that of me? So I'm going to stop and go ahead. Good, all right, all right, good. <laughs> Just trying, trying to help myself out here. My, my wife loves me even though I have a face made for radio. She loves me. And she's like, baby, look at this great picture that was in she. And I'm looking at him going, ooh. And, and so, I, I, okay, we're good now. So he, he calls me and he says, Brother Blash, I've done my part. I've met with him, whatever his number was, three times, four times. And he says, as their pastor, I'm pronouncing this thing dead. They refuse to be moved upon by me or any of my influence. And God can't seem to reach them right now. But I'm not going to feel good as their pastor until I've tried another resource. And so this is what he said. Says, I'm getting you here. I'm going to pay you, but I'm telling you it won't work. And I usually don't do this to you, he says, but we're going to do it. We're going through all the motions because I want to be able to say I did. Well, because he pronounced him dead didn't mean I would. We have different eyes on this thing. And so I came in and, and talked to him. And after a couple of days, I, I just kind of thought, dearly beloved, yeah. We're here today to mourn the passing of these this marriage. It was done. So I thought, okay, I pronounce it dead. The corner has spoken. It's gone. So I'm in service. Now listen, if I pronounce you dead, you're dead. If I say that relationship is over, 
it's toast. It's over. And it was done. Pastor couldn't help you. The word can't help you. You won't let God touch you. I can't do anything. You're, you're done. So we're in service, and these people were so stubborn that they wouldn't leave their church. Neither one of them would leave, and the building was about this size, maybe a little bit wider. And the altar was a rounded front altar so that you could be praying over here and couldn't see the person praying over there, kind of like this one is. Okay, let me just tell you, it was this church. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Many, many, many states away from here. And uh, I, I stayed over to preach on Sunday because for my real friends, I do that. And um, <laughs> I'm teasing, brother. I need to just get to the business, see? All right, stop messing around. So I'm preaching this message, and there's, there's this 25-minute message that I preached and that was back in the day. And, and, and so I preached this 25 minutes. I have no idea what I said, but I made an altar call because every service there should be an altar call. And this one was one of those. And I made the altar call and I saw that they both came. Oh, they weren't happy about it. You know, they just came because it was habit probably. And they came and they had their sides. He had, I believe he was on this side and she was on this side. They sat on different sides of the church and they prayed on different sides of the altar. Can I, can I just whisper a truth to you? Different sides of the altar, same God. <laughs> Whatever, who am I? So, so, so they, they come and they, and, and so now they can't see each other, but I can. And I'm standing here, and out of the corner of either eye, I see movement that looks like it's been choreographed. I mean, both at the same time, they stand up. And I'm going, what was that? And at the same time, they start coming to the center of this, of the area here. And they can't see each other until maybe they're 10 or 15 feet away. And if they looked up, they would see each other, but they didn't look up. And so they're maybe eight feet away. They're both coming. I'm not making this up. It's as if somewhere, somehow, there was a drummer and they were marching to that same beat. And they were both coming and about eight or nine feet away. They finally looked up and saw each other. And there was a micro pause. And they continued. And they came here. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. They came here and stood right before me. Right in this very spot. Like right there. And they stood right before me. And the husband looked at the wife. And they both faced me. And the Spirit of the Lord hit them. And boom, down they went. And I was speechless. Which, you know what? That was appropriate. I'd already talked to them for long enough. No, really. At this point, this is what I'm saying, apostolics. There's a place in which in the natural, we're done. We're done. Stop talking. Really, in the natural, sometimes you need a good prayer meeting. I mean, really, we got to get to the supernatural. If you're talking still, you need to be talking in tongues. Because at this point, on the, so I, I was speechless. I had nothing else to say. And besides, to open my mouth and say anything would have probably been to interrupt the wonderful counselor. And I sensed that was happening. And because down they went. And I thought, God, my Lord, God, you brought this one up. And at the same time, you brought that one up. I was already rejoicing. He was already controlling both of them. (laughs) Praise God. 
praise God. This was over. It was, it was, it was, it was all done. They just had to come together and do the right things. And so they, they come together and after a few moments, snot and crying, they stand together. One reaches and grabs the other one's hand and the husband speaks up for the wife and he says, he says, I don't know how we're going to make it, but we're going to make it. And I was still speechless. I did not tell them what my internal uh, voice was saying. But I will tell you what it was saying. I was going, I, I'm seeing a ghost because that was dead. That was dead. I'm telling you, if I pronounce you dead, you are dead. And that thing was dead. They had no desire. There was so much anger and bitterness and all that mess was in the way. But at some point or another along the way, God spoke to them and said, it ain't over. What I've joined together, let no man bring asunder. And suddenly they both wanted to try. Different than my words. Suddenly they both had the ability to try. Somehow or another they got a little bit more energy to try it again. The word of the Lord sits on you if it settles on you and you do nothing with it. I promise you, you may as well be diagnosed right here in this moment with spiritual cancer. It's going to leak out and slowly kill you. This is why we need the spontaneity of the Holy Ghost. And if you have not yet seen how this connects to the family, hang with me for a little bit. I promise you, it connects. We've got to have the spontaneity of the Holy Ghost. Let me say it a little bit more direct. If God cannot influence your emotions and you come to church mad at somebody and you leave mad at somebody that me- so let's just plow that for a little bit I don't know, you guys have no clocks in this church we used to have Friday night services for 18 years we had a midweek that was Friday night and three weeks ago we changed to Wednesday night and people love it but I forget that it's not Friday night. Because Friday night, we just keep going. It's like 8.45, preach on, pastor. Oh, it's 9 o'clock. They just, and then they talk for an hour. And, and, and so this is Thursday, right? And, and so I've got a clock. I'm trying to be considerate of that clock. But we're going to plow, plow just for a little bit. Is that all right? If the Lord showed up and caught you red-handed, Doing something you ought not be doing. What would you do? You stop doing it. The the saved ones would. (laughs) You're about to touch that forbidden thing and the Lord shows up. You're like, just kidding, Lord. (laughs) I want to touch that anyway. Yeah, that wasn't me. Yeah. Was, Lord, you know Bishop Wright did that. Yeah. Right? That's what most of us do. It's the beginning of conversion. It's that first kind of thing that captures people. They stop doing uh, bad things. They start doing good things. They, they stop that. And if you were driving down the street, just stewing over something that was perverse or ungodly and Jesus just popped up in your passenger seat Poof. hey what's going on 
You'd be like, um, Jesus wept. Uh, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about you, you would start quoting scripture so quick because you know he can read your thoughts. It's a second wave of conversion that grips you, that catches your attention. And I don't mean they're like waves, but I mean just in terms of how people pay attention to them. But the emotions. You will sit there angry with your spouse, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, and hold that emotion that you know God can't bless. And the Spirit of the Lord will slip in and folks talking in tongues around you and you hold on to that emotion. Uh huh. <laughs> Silence, confirmation. Got it. You hold on to that emotion because I earned that. You offended me. You hurt me. And no, I'm not going to let go of, even though it would displease God. So let me go back and kind of rewind and check this out. This is going to connect. Trust me. So we would stop doing the wrong things and we would stop thinking the wrong things, but we won't stop feeling the wrong things. That's because we don't understand that what controls our feelings ultimately will dictate and control our thoughts. And our thoughts will ultimately dictate and control our actions. So if you don't let God have all of these parts of you, it's only a matter of time. So let me just say like this. If the devil can't get you to do the wrong thing, he'll get, because you're too apostolic for that, he'll get you to think the wrong thing. But if he won't get you to think the wrong thing because you're too apostolic for that, he will get you to feel the wrong thing. There should come a day in your life where he can't do that because you're too apostolic for that. What does that mean? I need to, I need to clarify that because somebody's going to hear that and you're going to assume that apostolics are better than everybody else. Because I didn't clarify. So let me clarify that. What I mean by apostolic is when the Spirit of the Lord comes in and he moves on you in terms of your behavior, you surrender and you say, yes, Lord, you are Lord of my behavior. I will allow your word to govern my actions, Lord, even though I can do what I want to do because I'm old enough, I will govern myself by your word and you give him full supremacy and full reign over what you do. And that's being apostolic. It's allowing the Spirit of the Lord to have full access to that part of who you are. So then, when it comes to your thoughts, it's the same way. It's allowing the Spirit of the Lord to change you. Brother Blash, I can't change the way I think. You are telling the wrong brother that one. Can't change how I think. Can't change how I feel. None of it is true. All of it assumes that the end of your strength is whatever you can muster up in your human ability. All of it assumes that the end of your cognition is what you can muster up with human understanding. That the end of your emotions is what you've developed over the years. But see, if that was the end of us, then we, don't, we, may, not, we may as well not even have access to the Spirit. It is not the end of us. Just like how much money you have in the bank is not the end of your resources. Just like the fact that you cannot heal yourself is not the end of the story of your healing. 
No, 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 no. We tap into more than who we are when we need him. We tap into more than who we are when we're sick. We tap into more than who we are when we're broke. We tap into more than who we are when we're having faith to believe for missionaries. We need to tap into more than who we are to get past some of the emotions that, that keep us captive and will not allow for the free flow of the spirit within the family unit. I feel like I'm throwing a lot at you. All right, Pastor Bishop, it's good start. Are you good? Hallelujah. Well, I'm good too. Except for I can never remember where I am. We got to give God full access to our emotions. And we can't sit on them. So let me tell you a story. And what I would like for you to do is just go along with me. Right? This is a, this is a make-believe story. But just kind of take the make-believe trip with me. You are driving in the mountains of Colorado, and you are in a car. It's a cool car. Go ahead. Imagine the car. What kind of car is it? Don't scream it out loud, because that's going to get a little, you know, wild. But, but just put, the, what, what is it? It is a, what's that you drive? <laughs> it's that car. It's whatever he drives. But actually, in my head, it's convertible. Of that car. Are you with me so far? You're in the car. In the car, you have a small child who you love. And y'all are just taking it nice and slow. Brother, we're doing about 35 because it is the mountains. Right? And and you look in the, your rearview mirror, and you see a large kind of beat-up pickup truck coming quickly. Too fast. How are you feeling right now? Now you can yell it out. Scared, nervous, that's right. Good, that's about how I feel too. Agitated, nervous, scared, wee bit homicidal, but all those things, you're right. And uh, the guy gets right up on you. Blows the horn. And at a very inconvenient spot, tries to pass you but can't. But in coming back over, almost clips you. How you feeling now? I'm a side where I started something. <laughs> Angry, mad, upset. That happens two more times, and he can't pass you until you get towards the bottom of the hill, and at the bottom of the hill, he guns it, comes around and passes you, and how you feeling now? Okay, relieved, poorly, right? How you feeling about him? Not good, right? So you decide, I'm going to follow this joker. <laughs> Roll rage, that's right. All right, you wouldn't follow him, but <laughs> all right, some of y'all would. You know who you are. And you follow him and... He, he, he speeds to the local hospital. He screeches on his brakes, runs around to the back of his, his truck and scoops up a little girl and you learn that she had swallowed a coin and he gets her to the ER just in time to save her life. How you feeling about him now? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why don't you just stand and come onto the altar? That's how you're feeling. God designed your brain so that as you learn information, your emotions would adjust accordingly. So that with a 60-second story, you can go from feeling angry to feeling remorseful. From feeling justified for going your 35 mile an hour, because that's what it said, now you wish you would have pulled over. All that in a 60 second story because your human brain was designed by God. You gotta stay with me because this is gonna get better. It was designed by God that as you learn more, your emotions would adjust accordingly. So let me say it again. You sit in the presence of the Lord knowing he is there he designed you that the very knowledge of him being there ought to change your emotions and when they don't it's because not that you suppressed your emotions but you suppressed his spirit and you gave primacy to your emotions which is why you can come to church mad and leave church mad But if a 60 second uh, uh, story can change your emotions, then some of them one hour messages you've been listening to ought to help you live for God. So this begs the question, how come we can be moved by a 60 second story, but we've learned to turn off the preach word of God. And if there's no word, you cannot be helped. And if you don't love the word, nothing I tell you about families will matter anyway. Hold on, my internal voice just said, praise break. Watch this. Esther, come on back. Oh, Lord God in heaven, just sit right there. Is it okay if you sit right there? Okay, good. The same person who was offended by their in-law. <laughs> you better let that go. Yeah. Offended by somebody who really offended you, by the way. I'm not suggesting you make this stuff up. Most of us don't make it up. Oh, it happens. Just because it happens doesn't give you a license to hold on to it. So, so I'm validating that it happened, but I'm invalidating that you have a license to hold on to it. Watch the connection to the family. <laughs> Woo-wee! God, some husband who is angry and will not let the spirit of the Lord that is hovering over him remove that from him in that service quenches the spirit of the Lord. Not in the area of my emotions. Get your hand off my emotions, God. I will give you my behaviors, most of my thoughts. You can even have the primacy over my wallet. But when it comes to this thing, 
I've had this little temper issue since I was 12. Get your hands off of it, God. And so the Spirit of the Lord hovers over, you've got to hear this, hovers over that person wanting to release impartation into them, but because the person pushes him back and then goes home the same way, somewhere in the middle of the night, that same Spirit visits that same Father and says, at this moment in time, go lay hands on your son who is in his room struggling with whatever, you name it. But because that father pushed away the presence of God that would have dealt with his anger, there was not the impartation. And so he missed it once and now he misses it twice. And so it's not just about you. It's about you and your children. And if I can, your children's children. We got to have a move of God. But So what that father ought to do is have surrendered and then at home when the spirit moved, the dad should have gone and laid hands and there would have been yet another impartation. And that boy should have gone to school the next day and got with his friends and he's old enough to know the word, he's old enough to have the spirit and he could have prayed with them and laid hands on them and there would have been yet another impartation. And because you sat there with your attitude, you missed the triple play. If he can't control your emotions, then before long, he won't be able to influence your thoughts or your behaviors. Why am I saying all this? Because in an eight-week counseling session, it takes me six weeks to get people just to stop being mad. Just to release at the altar the real pain of hurt. And 85, 95% of the people I work with and have for the last many years are apostolic, Holy Ghost filled. And the wonderful counselor has no access to their emotions. And the family has no hope until he owns all of you. I, I'm going to start on my notes in just a minute here. And that time I wasn't joking. <laughs> but before I do, and then, I just, and then I'll be real quick. It was, it was a long runway. But just a short flight, so, so stay with me. But before I go any further, I want to ask you to lift your hands. I want to ask you to take a few moments and pray and just receive from the Spirit... Not my words, but from the Spirit, what is being imparted to you based on what you're hearing. Father, in the name of Jesus. Just a few moments longer and then we're going to switch that prayer up a little bit. 
Oh, precious God, let me be open for your spirit to operate in all of me. God, if you can breathe into Adam and you can impart, then God, you can breathe on me. You can touch me, God. But Adam was laying there, Father. He was just dust and there was no will that he had at that time to reject you. We're, we're different, God. We do have a will and we can reject you, God, but we can also surrender that to you, God, and say, Lord, I accept all of you, God. Impart to me, speak to me, change me, move upon me, God. Stir something in me. Make me, God, want more of you. Now switch your prayer for a moment and just begin to pray for the people around about you. You don't need to necessarily lay hands on them, but just pray that there will be an openness, God, for my brother and for my sisters. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. Lord, what we're doing right now is we're trying to lift up those, God, who may be overtaken in a fault, Father. And those of us who are spiritual, God, we're trying to help God and we're praying in an atmosphere. So pray. I pray for my brother or my sister, God, and they feel wounded. I pray for the children, God, Lord, that don't have the the, the wonderful home life that some others, God, have grown accustomed to. I pray for the brother that's struggling, God, with his emotions and the sister father who is struggling God with her emotions I pray God that there would be a release in the spirit father for God if you don't do it it will not be done God but if you will do it it cannot be undone I pray in the name of Jesus right now over this great people God help us oh Lord God if you speak to me it will give me the desire and the ability so speak oh God and I will listen God and I will obey I will obey. I speak God over situations that man has said is dead. I speak God over those God that are moving away from you God and people are shaking their head and said they won't ever make it I speak your life into that situation God and it's not my words God I speak by faith God that you're in this house God and through your word life through your word love through your word joy is restored through one word. Jesus, come on, somebody, just take a few more moments. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm. All throughout this building, somebody lift your voice and just shout, Jesus. Jesus. One more time, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Love you, Lord. Thank you, God. Ah, 
come on, let me, let me, let me give you some, some instructions. Let me, we say things, right? But we don't explain it, so I'm going to say it. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Now let me explain it. Everybody here, if you got the Holy Ghost, you, 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 if you haven't gone through this, hang around long enough, you will. You'll be discouraged. It'll be one of them days I don't even feel like going to church, God. I don't have it in me. I'm just being honest with you, God. Today is Tuesday and I don't have it. I don't even have the wherewithal to find it. So I'm at my end. Nothing left in me. So speak to me, God. I'm not looking for a pep talk. I call you for that. What I'm trying to no, really. What I'm trying to say is what I need is the impartation that comes with your words. Your words bring life. Your words bring the ability and the desire. So I, I can't get up. It's not that I don't want to get up. I can't get up. God, I don't have it in me. But if you speak to me, I will both want to get up and I will have the ability to get up. But until you speak to me, I can't even get up. So speak to me, God. Speak to me, God. Speak to me, God. And you may sit there for hours, but before long, some, some angel's going to show up and say, get up, get up. You can do it. And suddenly, strength is in your bones. Suddenly, strength is in your spirit. But watch this. You go into work that day knowing you didn't want to get up and the only thing that's holding you up is the Spirit of God so you would never do anything to jeopardize it. Watch the connection to holiness in the family. No, neighbors, we can't go do that with you. Well, why? Does your church teach that? It's deeper than that. It jeopardizes what's holding me up. And I know if he doesn't hold me up, I cannot stand. What I'm trying to tell you, neighbor, is if I hang out with you all the time, I won't be able to get up and go to work. I won't be able to get up and go to church. I won't be able to touch God. I won't be able to experience the depth of God. It's not that I don't like you. It's not that I think I'm better than you. It's not even about a standard. It's about who's holding me up. Pastor, I don't have a choice. I gotta come to church. It's the only thing holding my family together. So when my mother or uncle or brother shows up and says, come on, I'm visiting you. It's on Sunday. You can skip church and hang out with me just this one time. I'm going, you don't get it. The only reason I've got a family for you to come visit is because I go to church. See the connection? Is this is this 
This is Phil Germain to the family. It's, it's all about that. So when that neighbor comes back, come on, man, don't be such a stick in the mud. Now, see, the first time I was protecting what holds me up, and I said no. You're my neighbor, so the second time I was protecting what's holding me up, and I said no. But the third time, now I'm defending what holds me up. And I, see, I'm going to draw the line because I can't jeopardize it. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, hey, bro, if you didn't have God, how many days would it take for you to ruin your life without God in it? I said, I said, well, maybe three. I took a couple of steps and I thought, well, two. Well, I mean, one. Well, shoot. 30 minutes. Watch the principle. There is no tenure in God. It's not like you can be faithful all week long and take a week off. Manna comes down. Get it while it's good. You can't hold on to that. Oh, I know the spirit will help you. I know the word keeps you. But you got to stay plugged in every day. So, don't judge me because you're like, whoa, that brother's been in church for 30 years. And he just said it'd take him 30 seconds to backslide. Wow, what's up with him? The same thing that's up with you. Except for I know. being honest but now I need to also give some grace because I made a really strong statement that's true and that is when you quench the spirit of the Lord the result of that quenching in particular if it's ongoing is a cancer a spiritual cancer that ultimately seeps out the difference between that cancer and normal cancer is this one's contagious the, spirit, the, the principles of God are spiritual and they move through generations. But that's a different topic for a different day. Let me give you some, some practical kind of what happened to me. Giving you some grace here. I went to service one time and I was, I, it, was, it, was a, it was a they call it a, a brush arbor. Now see, I, I had not been around long enough to have a context for that, but they explained that it was an outdoor service over like this canopy, this canopy, and it was just an outdoor service, and it really was just kind of like they did it many years ago. And so that's what it was, and it just didn't resonate with me. And so partly I didn't want to be there, but then I, I had a little issue with somebody, you know, maybe an hour or so before the meeting, and so I was not in the best of moods. Okay, I was angry. And just stop sugarcoating it. Well, at the same time, I had a infected big right toe. And it was painful to walk, which was all the excuse I needed to hang my mediocre 
worship on. No, it was hurting. Sister, it was hurting. Can I get a little empathy from the women at least? Not so much. Great. This is clear. I figured you'd have my back, but not. So, so there it is. My toe is there. And, and then all the service leaders, they're trying their best. Worship the Lord. The people are worshiping. And I'm apostolic. I know how to worship in a crowd without worshiping. You know what? I shouldn't do this, but I'm just going to point out the people tonight who did that. I'm kidding. <laughs> you should have seen the faces. <laughs> I cracked myself up. I cracked myself. You should, you should have seen the looks of their faces. Okay, deep breath in, deep breath out. You're going to be okay. So, so I'm in this service and, and I'm not, I'm just kind of in the crowd, you know, and the preachers, man, they scan. It's just kind of something that speakers do. They want to make sure that they connect with people. So they scan. It was like this oscillating fan. And so when he would oscillate my way, I'd kind of just, yeah. He oscillated back the other way. I put my hand down. I'm just telling on myself. I believe the the elder who got up, I believe his name was Brother Cox. And I think he's passed away now. But there were several just statesmen on the platform. And one of them got up and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is so rich in this place. I can't imagine while everyone isn't worshiping him with enthusiasm. My dear brother, you need to understand that your big right toe does not hurt that bad. Well, if it didn't, it did now. I thought, whoops. Attitude, get on out of here. God is all up in my business. Now, isn't it amazing that God had the audacity to call me out on my toe but didn't heal it? He wasn't trying to deal with my toe. He was trying to deal with my emotions. He was trying to say, don't you let a small argument that in 10 years you only remember what it was about keep you from a great revival, a great miracle. Don't you understand what I'm trying to say? There are people that will hold on to bitterness after God's trying to pull it away from you for many, many years. I feel the Holy Ghost in me. You don't know how bad I have been wounded in this family. You don't know how bad he wants to give you revival. You have elevated your stubbornness. You've elevated your crises. You've elevated that dilemma higher than the power and the authority of God's ability 
to heal it, fix it, change it, deliver it. Those are the areas. This is when the rubber hits the road. Those are the areas where we have to wrestle those things into submission. Because your, you fill in the blank, doesn't hurt that bad. Kept me from the healer. So I repented that night. And I worshiped the Lord. As a matter of fact, I ran around that place thinking, God, when this is done, you're either going to have to heal this toe or it's going to be a bloody mess. But either way, I'm going to worship you. Then I apologized to somebody who I need to apologize for. Isn't it amazing? I was the one that was wrong anyway. I was. (laughs) All right, we got to go. We got to go. Just one more principle. Do we have time for one more principle? This is going to help us tomorrow. That's the only reason I'm doing it. It's going to help us tomorrow. Here's the last principle. It comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse number 21. This is an exciting principle of the word of the Lord. Genesis 2, 21 through 25. Genesis 2, 21 through 25. It says this, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a a woman and brought her unto the man. What a gift. What a gift. That was serious. Mine is. I mean, you can speak for yourself, but uh, what a gift. It's a gift from God. I mean, it's got to be good. Adam said... Uh, watch, watch the recognition, by the way. Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. I want to stop and I want to give a principle, but first I want to meddle. Well, if you're going to meddle, you should be honest about it. There are some little people in this sanctuary today, and there are some, there are some children, and there are some teenagers, and there are people who are a long way from having the responsibility of a family. So someone might ask, then why would you have them in the sanctuary, and why this topic, speaker, Don't you know your audience? It's like rule number one of speaking. So why are you talking about this stuff when you know there are little people in the room? And the answer is because marriage doesn't start or the the consequences of a marriage, they don't start at the altar when people are saying, I do. The principles that are going to help you don't even start there. They don't even just start when there's a single young adult Male and a single young adult female. And, and it doesn't stop there. It, it doesn't even stop when it's a, a teenager. The principles that will ultimately help the marriage be strong are they, they're taught early on. If you don't believe that, then you're missing something because the public school system starts teaching your children principles knowing that when they get older, they will live those principles out. And so they need to see it, and they need to develop those skills all along the way. 
in our church, and, and every church is different, but in our church, for those people who are seriously dating, we announce it. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> You're like, like, Jamal, come on up here. <laughs> Jennifer, come on up here. Like, y'all, these two are sparking, so we need to redefine sparking. Cause that, and I give them a little lecture. And, and you think that's interesting, right? Now, I'm not talking about the 12-year-olds. I'm not sure why y'all let them date anyway. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm talking about the serious 18, 19-year-olds. Because, now, here's what we do. We let them date in darkness. And then he gets the guts to ask her to marry. And then it, once we, he asks, now it's plastered all over Facebook. And then we announce that. So that year, that six months that we weren't looking, whatever was developing there is going to show up later on down the road. So if they're serious about that relationship, then that relationship needs to be brought into the light of the congregation as well as the engagement, as well as the marriage. We want to keep them married. Our church is not near this size. Y'all probably can't get away with that because every week it'd be... Now, Brother Blash, what if they break up? It's the same kind of ouch that happens when people are engaged and they break it off, or worse, when they divorce. So what if they break up? That's a bad question. A better question is what if they have a, a lousy relationship and actually get married? Was I supposed to just drop the mic and walk away? <laughs> I didn't mean that to come out as blunt as it sounded. But I don't know how to reword it. All right, praise God. Is, is, is it all right? Is it making sense? All right, it's all good. All right, so here's the principle. This is such a wonderful principle. It's so, so, so God brings, God puts Adam down. And this is the second time, by the way, that Adam is on his back. And, and, and the first time something was put in him, the second time something was taken out of him. Both good for him at the end, amazing, but another day, another time. But he puts Adam down, he takes a rib out of Adam, he goes off. The Bible didn't say he goes off, but it says he comes back. So can we go there? He went off, comes back, and, and he brings Adam, this woman, and this woman. Here's what, here's what Adam couldn't have known. Maybe he did, I doubt it. Is that God... The same God designed the garden with Adam and then Eve in mind, really making it perfect for them. That same God took a rib out and then went and and just, if I can do it like this, I'm going to slow it down and make it more human. Thought about it. Thought about Adam. What's he going to need? Put that in her. Thought about Adam. What's he going to need? She's going to need to know how to cook. Put that in her. Thought about Adam. What's he going to need? Pick up his socks. Put that in her. Thought about Adam. You get the idea, right? <laughs> Eve, he thought about you too. So, but not now. I can't talk about it now. He developed stuff in Eve. Some of it, he develops it and it's instantly mature. She stands up, she ambulates around, she has intellect, it's mature. But some of it is dormant. But it's in her. 
Some of the stuff that he developed in Adam, Adam doesn't need yet. But it's in him. So there comes a time where God steps back and goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. You two have no idea what I put in you. But in the next few seconds, just kind of let me have the storyline for a moment. He says, in the next few seconds, I'm going to speak to you. And when I do, something in you will ignite and it will instantly mature. Because it was there all along waiting for my word. Because in my word there is life and ability and desire. And he steps back and he goes, these two This is what I want the world to look like. And then he speaks with authority and says, be fruitful and multiply. And her body on the inside, something begins to change. And Adam on the inside, something begins to change. And I would tell you the full story, except for I am aware of our audience age. (laughs) Suffice it to say, not only were they able to be fruitful and multiply, but suddenly they wanted to. So, there's coming a time, husbands, when you will be depleted. And within yourself, you won't be able to reach it. A godly woman who can talk to the Lord in her prayer chamber, pray for her family. If she will let God control her emotions, he will speak to her. And those words will open life and he will give her, because it's already, it's in there. It's in, he created her for that. And she will take that impartation and be a blessing to her husband and thus, and the husband the same way. This is why y'all are not disposable. If you give, let me say it like this. She's got husbands, everything you need. And wives, he's got everything you need. And single people, you need to be very careful to to take your time and marry the right person because that person is going to be there for you and God's going to give them what you need. You cannot pick carelessly. If you pick someone who is not able to connect with God, use the last illustration and you can see where the breakdown will happen. If you don't marry spiritual... You better marry smart. Because that'll get you somewhere. <laughs> but if you didn't marry smart, I pray you married spirit. I'm messing with you. I'm, come on. Stan, I'm done. Stan, I'm done. My wife, my wife wrote in a journal. She was a journaler when I, when I um, met her. She would write everything down. And when she first met me, she recorded her emotions and thoughts about me and uh, everything. And this was mid-80s. Well, she was cleaning out a drawer, and this was probably somewhere early 2000, maybe mid-2000. She was cleaning out one of her drawers, and, and I saw her flipping through some pages of book and laughing I said, what's so funny? She goes, oh, I found the journal from when we were dating. I'm still, I don't see the humor in that yet. <laughs> and she's over there just dying. And I said, well, 
What's it say? She said, and she because it was in German, she translated, she said, Dear God, I met a young man today and I really like him. The only thing is, he's not very well educated. I'm just trying to tell some of y'all there's hope. <laughs> what I'm really trying to say, if you have to pick between marrying spiritual, marry smart, you can always get smart. I'd gamble on that if I were you. I wouldn't gamble on spiritual. Because it won't be your intellect at the end that is the glue to your relationship. It will be your ability to touch God. Let me conclude with this for those who are student age. If you're wondering, what should I do? What should I do in this day and age? You've got to have an education. If you don't have an education, you don't have nothing. So what should I do? Should I give myself to education? Should I give myself to prayer and fasting? It is such a no-brainer. Give yourself to prayer and fasting. Give yourself to the things of God. It will make your education make sense when you get it. And if something were to happen and you never go to school, you will still go to heaven. (laughs) Isn't that what we want? What I want to tell you over the next couple of days is simply this. The family is about salvation. It's not about being happy. It's about salvation The body of Christ is not here to make you happy. Being happy is just a byproduct of being spiritual. The same is true on a micro level. Your husband, your wife, it's not about making you happy. It's about helping you be spiritual because when you're spiritual, you will be happy. Somebody said amen. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could just close our eyes, lift our hands, and give the word of the Lord some time here to settle in our spirits. Come on. I doubt there's a person in this place tonight that somewhere along the way God was not talking to you at some point. Maybe somebody right now has got some emotion. You need to go ahead and just let God take care of it right now. Maybe somebody's been holding on to something and now is your moment to respond. I, I, I'm going to take Dr. Blash up on what he said. I don't think we need church without an altar call. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. I think somebody needs to go beyond where you're standing or sitting right now. And you need to step down to this altar in response to the Spirit of the Lord. And you need to let the Holy Ghost help you with some stuff right now. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is in this. If you got to go, you're welcome to go. It's not even when the time we normally get done. Come on, the Holy Ghost is not only spoken, but God is moving in this place right now. Come on, I beg you, don't do again tonight what the man of God has said and shut it off.
Thank you for all that are responding, but I don't think it's all that need to respond. Come on. Come on, somebody be responsive. Somebody make up your mind. Tonight's a new night. It's a new day. I'm going to get out of my habit of of resisting. I'm going to get out of my habit of deflecting. And I'm going to become responsive. Every area. Including my emotions. I'm going to be responsive to the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, those of you that are coming back tomorrow night, coming back Saturday, don't miss what God is doing in this moment. So over the next two days, you can get all that you have need of. You can receive all that God wants to do and say. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. I yield every area to you, God. I yield every area to you, God. Nothing's off limits. There's no part of me that, that you are not allowed to have control, that you're not allowed to influence. All of me, Jesus. All of me, Jesus. I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to disrupt. The flow that you have that's not just for me, but it's intended to go beyond me. I don't want to interrupt it so that those beyond me that are waiting on it can't get it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name we yield to you tonight we surrender to you tonight we yield our emotions to you tonight every part of us Jesus every part of us Jesus Hallelujah, hallelujah. Alabashata rabaka yandolobosatalaba. Ila ramandolobo koreye alalabahai. 
I yield myself. I surrender myself. I present myself as a living sacrifice. I present myself as a living sacrifice, every part of me. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all to you, Jesus. The name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I caramando lo rotolo bosheye ki alarabahai. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I caramando lo rotolo bosheye ki alarabahai. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Aleluia. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I, I realize, those of you that are going to be back tomorrow night, I realize it's a Friday evening. I know we're Friday evening, we deal with traffic, but please, please do what you can to be here. I realize some of you can't with work get here right at 7, but uh, we are not, we're not going to drag things out tomorrow night. We're going to get uh, Brother Blash on the floor as quickly as possible again. Not to rush the evening, but to maximize his time so that he can feel the freedom and the liberty to 
share whatever the Lord has and not feel pressured by a clock. So, again, if you haven't registered for the seminar, it is not too late to come. You can register at the door, still come be a part, and uh, we look forward to what God is going to continue tomorrow night and do throughout the day on Saturday in Jesus' name.